Welcome to Moments with Marianne. I'm so delighted we're spending this time here today. We have a very inspiring show coming right up with special guest, Lisa Ann Rooney, and she's here today to share with us her new book, A Survival Guide for Those Who Have Psychic Abilities and Don't Know What to Do With Them. Now, Lisa Ann is a medium, life coach, and spiritual counselor who has helped both the living and the dead move forward. She's been teaching psychic development classes for more than 10 years. So join me in welcoming Lisa Ann Rooney to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. What a joy it is to have you here. And my goodness, what a great new book. I mean, there's a lot of people asking like, hey, I've got my psychic abilities. What do I do with them? Yeah, so many people. I mean, I was finding more and more um, clients that came to see me were struggling the way that I did years ago. And, you know, I just, I wanted to help people really kind of, whether it was with energy or whether it was with abilities. Um, to me, everybody has some. So it's just connecting to that and enhancing your life. And was that the inspiration behind writing this book? Or is there something else that also drew you to this? Um, it really was uh, helping my clients and other people out there in the world that, because I'm finding more and more people are struggling with energy and the more technology that's out there and all of that kind of stuff, um, it really is affecting people and they need to learn how to balance themselves and how to connect to the abilities that they have because they can hinder us. Um, and so we need to learn how, you know, to, how they enhance us. Well, and so how does someone realize, like, what type of psychic ability they have? I think that a lot of it, the easiest way for me is through meditation, is I think I'm a big fan of meditation, and I think that we should all learn how to meditate. I think it would change the world if we did. Um, And if you start to meditate and start to even just sit quietly and listen to the um, what's coming in, trusting, and a few other things like that, it it can change your whole life. And so, okay, so we're going through this meditation process. So how do they Mm -hmm. determine what what their gifts are based off of that? Uh, The key is to start to learn. Uh, In my book, I explain a few little tricks and techniques that you can use to understand how we receive. Because a lot of people receive messages in different ways. Some people might be a gut instinct Some people may actually hear, some people may feel, other people get it in dreams and things like that. So it's starting to understand and interpret what you get. And the best way to do that is to consciously do that through meditation. Okay. And then you have listed in your book the different types of, um, you know, abilities that are present. Yes, there, it's, in, it's listed in my book. And I think sometimes, um, like what I found when I started to try to hone my gifts is, um, there, you know, there's not one thing that someone is. Like some people may be a clairvoyant or clear audience, um, where a lot of us are a combination of everything. So it's learning how exactly do you receive a message? How do you hear it, um, in different ways and then start to follow it from there? and start to trust it, which is a big thing. Okay. And why don't you list a couple of the examples that you have in your book so people get a sense of what it is that they're looking for? Sure. Um, I, I get a lot of people who, you know, there's the small, small things like, um, you know, you'll get a, a feeling like, oh, I really should call that person. 
or I should go for that job or something like that. And then a lot of times our mind kicks in and we talk ourselves out of it through fear and all of that kind of stuff. So learning to listen to those messages can really change everything. Um, the other way is when we do get a really big message, which is something's going to happen. How do we deal with that? How do we know that it, that really is a message? Um, and not just our minds playing trick on, tricks on us. Because a lot of people say to me, how do I know it's not just me? Right? And so it's learning really how to, how do we get a message? And then I get a lot of people as well that are affected by energy, which are empaths and things like that. So people that, um, and a lot of people who do have high intuition are very sensitive to energy. So when they go into certain places, they find that they have social anxiety, they get very anxious going into big stores and a lot of things like that. Okay, so those are some of the telltale signs that they've got some um, some different gifts going on that they need to kind of pay attention to and, and take a look at. And so do you typically find that this happens in their earlier years, that they develop this as a child and maybe shut it down? What are your experiences? For me, it, I have been able to see, um, see and talk to the dead since I was very, very little. Um, I think a lot of people do have it when they're little and then they learn to shut it off, sort of, um, but it still kind of interferes in their life and they think, and they're often wondering, you know, why do I have this? Why can't I, you know, sit in a room full of people and be comfortable? Um, and a lot of it is, is that they're picking up so much information that, and they don't realize they are, whether it's other people's emotions or the dead people that are around that are, you know, giving them different emotions. Um, so it, it really kind of, uh, help, you know, makes their life difficult. Um, and then they realize when they get in contact with someone like myself that really it is hurting their lives and they need to learn to balance their lives. And so it's different. And then there, there's stories of people who are, you know, have been in accidents or um, had some kind of life-changing experience that then brought out their intuition as well. Mm-hmm. They kind of move things forward. Well, yeah, there's so, kind of both ways. It, it, so there's lots of different things. So now they're in this place of, okay, I have this level of giftedness. What do I do with it? Is that one of the questions you get often? Often, yes. And it's hard because, um, you know, there's a lot of people, and this is what I, why I kind of wrote the book too, is there's people that don't necessarily want to practice it as a profession or have it all consume their lives where, you know, everything they do has to do with their gifts. So um, I, and I kind of thought it as well because I was like, I just want to be this normal person that happens to do this as well. And um, I learned that you can balance it and that you can use it just to do day-to-day things. And uh, the one example that I always give to people is if I was driving somewhere and spirit would say to me, Lisa, you need to turn right. For years, I wouldn't listen to them and I, and I would turn left and then I would end up in a traffic jam or stuck behind something where if I just listened to them, I would have had an easier way and I would have found my, you know, way to my destination quicker. Um, so the same thing applies is when you get that gut feeling or you feel 
something's not right. If we learn to start listening to it, it can change everything for us. Well, and then so what are some other examples that spirits helped you in your lifetime when you pay attention to those nudges that you get? Oh, geez, there's been so many. Um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, job interviews uh, for myself when I was smaller and, and growing up as, into my adult years um, where I would just, because I really kind of rebelled against it. So if they said, you know, go for this, I wouldn't go for it. And then I would watch as someone else got it. And I knew I could have done the job better. But it, through fear and through not listening, I kind of lost a lot of opportunities. So I recognized that. And then as I started to learn to kind of really listen, it, it was incredible how it just started following. One of the examples was with my book. When I got the book deal, I listened to who I should send it to as publisher. And Llewellyn was the first one that they said. And it just all fell into place. It was really amazing. And how that all came together. Well, it's interesting. I love hearing stories of when people have put spirit um, and those nudges that we get from the universe into play and just the remarkable things that end up happening in our lives when we pay attention. Yes, and, you know, it's one of those things where for years, and I think a lot of people who have gifts are this way, um, we tend to be able to do it for everyone else, but not for ourselves. Um, We can give everybody else great advice, and we can tell them what they need to go for, but for some reason, we don't listen for ourselves. So that's what a lot of my book is about, is about listening for ourselves and learning to do it for ourselves so that we can enhance our lives, because... Um, it really does make a huge difference. Yeah, and being able to put that forward. Well, and I know in your book you talk about a few different things. One is spirits versus ghosts. And I'd love for you to explain what that is and why it's important we know the difference. Okay, that's one of the big questions I get with um, when people come to see me, whether they are wanting to utilize their gifts or they're just someone who's interested in the subject. Um, and I always feel like I have to defend ghosts in some ways because they get a bad reputation, but spirits are people that have crossed over, um, and when you can feel them, they feel completely different when you start to understand it. Um, they feel kind of tingly, so if you're somewhere in your house and you feel like a nice kind of tingly feeling, almost like goosebumps, that is most likely a spirit that's crossed, probably of a loved one that's around you. Um, a ghost is someone that has not crossed over, and um, they're kind of stuck on Earth. Some people believe they're kind of in between dimensions. Um, to me, they just feel more almost humid. Their energy is very thick and um, almost dense, like humid air. And um, when you walk through one or one's near you, um, you can sense that it's just kind of more of a, I don't want to see a feeling of dread, but it kind of gives you more of a spooky feeling. Um, and you can completely feel the difference. One is really kind and light, and the other one is much more dense. And by no means are all ghosts horrible, mean things. They're just people that are trapped or are afraid to cross for different reasons. Could it be that they are afraid of... Yeah, because we all go through that past life review. Maybe they're afraid of their review or, um, you know, maybe something they've done during their lifetime or they feel attached to a place. 
Exactly. There's, there, it can be, um, a lot of times it's religious beliefs. You know, you think, oh my God, I've done something wrong in this life. When I go across, I'm going to be judged. And, um, you know, there, I might go to purgatory or whatever your belief is based on your religious belief. Um, and then there's some people who, um, spirits who think that they have unfinished business. So they need to fix something. They've left something unfinished here. So they don't want to cross. Um, and there's lots of fears of meeting up with other souls because they didn't have a good relationship with them. I've found that a couple times where um, they didn't want to go and see their dad or they didn't want to go because they were abused or something like that. So they were afraid to cross and, and make connection again. Mm-hmm. And afraid to have that, that um, you know, that going back and being with all those people that maybe they're having a tough time with. Right, right. When when really it's the opposite. It's very much healing on the other side. And um, I always say it's like, uh, you know, it's like the school with different grades. And you come down here with a list of what you need to achieve, um, which classes you need to take. And when you go across and you debrief and go through what you learned or didn't learn, you just say, well, I didn't pass that class and I got to take that the next time. So there is no real judgment. And then we create karma. Karma is kind of the way that the universe teaches us in some ways. And and that way we can, uh, and why don't you explain that a little bit for our listeners um, before I kind of comment in on that. When we talk about creating karma, what do you mean by that? Uh, karma is, you can have good and bad karma with people. Um, I had a really hard time understanding it at first, with, like years and years ago. Um, but it basically is what we put out is what we get back. So, you know, and when we interact with certain people, if you treat someone incorrectly, then that is bad karma. And somehow that will come back and to you energy-wise. So you'll there's belief that it can come back tenfold. Some people believe a hundredfold it'll come back. Um, where it'll come back at you and, and somehow you'll pay the price. And a lot of times, because people, you know, in this life, they'll say that person wronged me. I want to see karma take effect. Um, it may not happen in this lifetime. It may happen in the next lifetime where they then have to go through and have another relationship with that same soul and have to work out the karma again in a different scenario. Well, and what I found is interesting is, you know, a lot of times people do want to see that karma play out because there's a little bit of a revenge piece there. They haven't forgiven that person. They haven't moved on. They want to see them get what they deserve kind of thing. Right. And you have to be really careful because then that can develop greater karma, right? Exactly. Right. And I always say because people, the one confusion people always have is, okay, if someone treats you wrong or does something bad to you and you react, is that you continuing the bad karma and my thing is is what I've studied and understood is when someone treats you wrong and you know every action has a reaction but as long as you're doing it with the right intent you're not if you're standing up for yourself that's fine that's not really creating bad karma but if you go back to hurt that person then that creates the karma again with on your side um, really what we have to do is worry about our own karma and how we treat people and the things we do and not worry about what how other people do it to us. That's their problem. Yeah. And and the thing is, I mean, we just, you, there's a 
point where we have to also have faith that the universe works itself out, and we don't need to be there to see it happen. You know, it's exactly. It's all on its own. I, yeah, I often say, you know, sometimes. Sometimes it's not a huge event. Like we expect, we want, when we want revenge, we look at it as, oh, I want their life to fall apart or whatever to happen to them. But sometimes it's the day-to-day stuff that karma works where literally nothing works out for the person or everything they touch falls apart. So there may not be some big grand event, but karma may just be chipping away at their life and making them miserable. Um, so we, we may just not see it the way that we want to see it karma i always say you know we can think as humans of revenge and how we want things to play out but karma is a lot more creative than we can ever imagine and it's really kind of best to kind of leave that alone and not get involved in that Uh, absolutely and because i often when i at the beginning when i was trying to figure it out and you would have i have a past life um and we do with many souls past life challenges with different souls and there was this one person and I was like no matter how nice I am to that person they're just constantly mean to me so this is like and I didn't want the karma to continue into the next life or anything like that and I really worked with spirit to figure out that it really didn't matter what they were doing to me it was what I did to them so I just treated them with kindness and everything I did I did with pure heart intention so none of it came at, like that they did to me affected me really but and they are the ones that have to worry about their karma in the next life or even in this life where I have none with them yeah I mean there's so much that we have to you know as far as keeping our side of the street clean I mean there's so yeah. much that we need to do on our own focusing on somebody else's path is really not the way to go <laughs> it really isn't. It is, and it is so hard, because, especially because we get, can, as humans, we get so caught up in all of it, right? So, especially if it, if they are doing it to us, but we just have to know that the universe will take care of it, and it always does one way or another, and we just may not witness it, which I know some people would love to witness it, but we just may not, and it's not necessary. We we have stuff to do. Well, it's interesting. When we feel like we need to witness it, then there's still work we need to do on ourselves to make sure Absolutely. that we're in right energy with whatever's going on. Because we should right. not be attached or trying to control or anything like that with what that person is going through or has gone through. Right. And it's a lot about, you know, empowering ourselves and keeping our power. Because every time we allow someone and we worry about what someone else is doing to us or what they're doing in their life, we're giving them a piece of our power. So if we keep our power to ourselves and just do our what's right for us, um, they have no power over us and we can heal and do certain things with past lives and all of that kind of stuff. So you're right. It, it really is. Um, if we're worried and continue to worry and, and, you know, I always say like Facebook stalks people and all that kind of stuff we haven't truly healed from the experience and let go. And we need to learn and work on that. And sometimes like people always say to me, well, how do I do that? It's a conscious thing. We have to stop ourselves from doing it. And then eventually we train ourselves not to do it. Yeah. Kind of move forward because it really, it doesn't serve us. Well, and so, you know, I know in your book, you also talk about people who are empaths and how 
they are affected by energy. So why don't we kind of talk about that a little bit? How how does that look for someone going, gosh, I'm feeling everything. I guess I'm an empath. I don't know. Yeah, and an empath to me is, I always say it's one of the hardest things to be because it's something that we're born as. It's not something that we learn. Um, it's something that's inherent in us. And, um, you know, a lot of the, t- a lot of, um, the signs of being an empath is definitely being affected with anxiety of, of energy, like going out somewhere that's really busy and becoming overwhelmed. Um, and, and then there's things like where we pick up other people's energy if someone is having problems. A lot of empaths are people that people will come and pour all of their problems onto. And then they leave feeling awesome, and then the empath is left with all of that. So we have to learn different techniques to be able to protect ourselves um, and, you know, how to kind of listen because that's our gift is to listen and help, but also then not be burdened to hand it back to the person and allow them to walk their path so we don't walk their path for them. Yeah, because no one can do that. That ends up doing what we were just talking about a minute ago is creating karma. Right. And what, what as an empath, we always... Uh, a lot of empaths like to overhelp and get involved and solve everything for people and make their, they think they're making their other person's life easier. Well, really what they're doing um, is living their life for them. So they're not learning. And uh, like I, I always say an empath is someone who it's an empath and a friend were out of work at the same time. The empath would, would help the other person fix their resume and help the other person find them a job, then they would send their resume out for them, and then eventually they would get to their own resume and their own stuff. And by that time, they're depleted, and they don't almost have the energy to help themselves because they're so busy helping everybody else. So it's learning to not do that. Well, and helping is a pretty big word on that because some of that can actually be we get into control, you know, and so we have to be so careful that we're not trying to really kind of control somebody else's, um, you know, what's going on with somebody else. Yeah, their past. Yeah, it's one of these things. And it's, we recognize it as we're just helping, 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 right? And um, I I really went through a process because I'm an empath where I had to say, you know, almost sit on my hands and say, let them do their own thing. And it wasn't that I was trying to control them, but it is sort of a form of control. It's just that so it's in every cell of our body to be able to make other people's lives easier, which then makes us control them. And then they don't do anything for themselves. They just rely on us to do everything. And that's not good for them because they're not learning and we're not doing what we're supposed to do for ourselves. Um, so it's learning to say, be there, listen, help a little bit, but then hand it back to them so that they can do their their stuff so like the the scenario with the job hunting it would be you could give someone advice about how to fix the resume you can have a look at it but then you give it back to them and let them type their resume and if you do did see a perfect job for them you give them the advertisement but then leave it up to them to call if they don't call them that that that's their path or their opportunity that they lost and that shouldn't affect us Mm mm-hmm well, yeah. and, um, you know, and everything works out the way it's supposed to. So when we're doing things for other people, we really kind of negate their own 
spiritual power that they have to accomplish the task that they came here to really accomplish. Exactly. I always I think of it as like a when you're a mother and you try to do everything for your kids and then your kids leave, you go to college and have no life skills because we've done everything for them. Um, so that's what we do to others. Like empaths have a tendency to do that for other people. We need to understand that they need to learn their life skills as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, and so if yeah. you have somebody who's really feeling a lot of energy, what are some of the tips? Because, I mean, we can't, we can't uh, isolate ourselves from the world. I mean, we've got to still be a part of this world. So what are Absolutely. some tips for people who are empaths? The first thing that um, I always say is is understanding how energy affects you. But then, and by this time, most people, like, once you realize it has, um, there's the normal where you know your aura and you encase your aura in white light or even mirrors, some people say, where it's been what it does is it deflects the energy away from you. I found that those didn't quite work for me, so I found a technique where I suck my aura in, almost like a scuba suit or a shell that's completely encased around me when I go out. So I suck it right in. I take a few deep breaths. It comes right around me, and then I'm almost in disguise when I go out, and my aura doesn't brush against anything. Um, I don't pick up anything that I'm not supposed to pick up, and for spirit-wise, like spirits that see me, it almost dims my light so spirit doesn't follow me around as much. Mm-hmm. So you have and it's one, it's, yeah, it's one of these gifts that I found out when my mom was sick. My, my guides told me that to try to do that. And it was, it has changed a lot for me where before I would be overwhelmed going many, many places, I can actually go out and do all these things now and not have to have a nap for the next week. Because my energy is so depleted. Well, and it's interesting. Once we learn how to control our energy in that way, we don't have to pick up all of the feelings and all of the emotions that people are going through when we come into these public places like malls or you know shopping mm-hmm. or what have you. Yes. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing how it can change and you can function and um, – and go about your day and, and not feel exhausted when you get home and, or, or lose your temper at the, at, you know, when one person says something, you feel almost like you're boiling over um, because the anxiety is getting so high or the energy in your body is getting so high. Um, some people will, you know, feel like they have to cry and stuff because they're picking up different emotions. And it almost sometimes feels, um, when you don't do these techniques, it almost feels like you're kind of bipolar where your moods switch based on who you're standing beside. Mm-hmm. And what's going on. And well, and it's interesting yeah. because it is about controlling, you know, when you have a level of giftedness, it is about controlling your own energy and being able yeah. to maintain it in a way that, you know, you're not kind of tapping into everything that's going on around you. And, and it's, you know, that's not really what, I, at least in, in my thought process, I feel that we're supposed to um be working on that that moment because it it does wear people out. <laughs> it does. And I mean, and the thing is, is when you start to really learn how to use energy and how it affects you so you can protect yourself from it. But then when there's certain times when you need energy, you can learn how, whether it's Reiki energy or the energy of the earth, you can learn to pull energy to enhance you to get through something or to do certain things. 
So you can really kind of utilize it rather than it hinder you all the time. Yeah, move forward. Well, and so we talked initially about meditation. So how do we use meditation to further our spiritual path? The way that I use, um, I do developmental meditation because there's, you know, meditation which they call transcendental meditation where it's just basically letting go of everything. There is a form, but when I do developmental meditation, I do let go of all the day stresses and all of that. But then I also, once I'm under meditation, um, I will do certain things like I'll listen to messages. There's a form that I talk about in the book called billets, which is basically you write a question on a piece of paper. Um, you can do this for yourself. So you write the question and you fold it and you hold it in your hands and then you meditate and then you listen and, and you see. And this is sort of how you can start to learn how you receive as well because you could start seeing symbols, you can start seeing words. Um, some people see whole stories, um, and that will, and you know, even the paper can change the heat of the paper, that it could vibrate, all of these different things. It can have a positive and negative feeling on it, um, and all of those will be the answers to the question. It's great if you could get someone else to, to write the question, then you're not really putting your own interpretation when you're first learning, um, and then you can just give the message as you got it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's but, because, you know, you're wanting to get whatever message that comes over for you. And I think being able, because a lot of times when they say, oh, clear your mind, clear your mind, a lot of people don't really know, you know, at what point are they getting a message and should that be something that they're clearing as well? Right. I all, when I teach it, what I usually do is I have everybody do just a normal meditation for themselves and we just relax and we go through a little short meditation and then we do billets or some other form like psychometry or something like that, which is holding an item. Um, and then they, they will see the difference in the meditation. They'll start getting messages for the other person and their meditation will be completely different. And what they see is completely different. Um, and that's when you start to learn, oh, okay, when I see this, um, this is what it means and, and I can start now interpreting this when I'm awake or when I'm dreaming. And that's why I think meditation is one of the key things to, um, especially develop meditation is it really kind of allows you to be quiet and listen rather than just trying to shut your mind down and, um, and during the day and try to get a, a message. Sometimes there's so much information coming in, it's hard to, to really listen where meditation allows you to do that. Yeah, allows you to to get those insights. Well, and I think I have time for one more question here. I wanted to chat with you real quick in regards to our spirit guides. Now, everyone loves talking about spirit guides. They want to have yes. you know, 15 angels with a unicorn and whatever else. <laughs> yeah. what? Or a really good-looking spirit guide, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, right? <laughs> yeah. So what, is, you know, what are our spirit guides there? How many do you typically see that people have? Why don't you um, kind of share with us a little bit about your insights with spirit guides? Sure. Um, so we have seven spirit guides, uh, the, um, that, and they're with us. We pick them when we come to this life. Uh, they're usually people from past life because a lot of people will ask me and they'll say, oh, it's my grandmother, my spirit guide. And it's like, no, there's loved ones that are here to help us, but they're not our guides. Our guides are people that are specific to us. They're, I always call them our entourage. There's seven people that always come everywhere with us. You have your gatekeeper who is 
basically your right-hand person. They have your Akashic records, which is what you're here to do um, in past life. They have all that information. Then you have your guardian angel. Some people have multiple guardian angels, but there's usually one. Uh, then you have your joy guide. Um, and then your doctor guide who works on uh, any health issues. They're great when you're doing, if you do Reiki on people, they can help as well. Your chemist guide helps with spirit communication and the chemistry within your body. Psychologist guide is there to help us when we help other people and give therapy to other people and ourselves. Um, and then you have your healing guide, which is there to connect you to earth. And I think that's seven. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, so that's great because it gives people some insight on what type of guides do they get. Now, you know, we talked about all these different guides, and one of the things I wanted to chat, do you often see that people have like a a loved pet that comes over and it's part of their team now? It is. um, Pets are similar to our loved ones from this life that come and help us. They help our entourage guide us with day-to-day stuff and they help with synchronicity putting things in front of us and pets come and they bring us really good energy um i know there are a lot of mediums that can speak to animals that are on the other side i've never i see a lot of them but i've never really spoken to any of them i just get the energy i see them running around when people come um i've had even had a horse in one of my readings where someone had a horse that passed away and it just kind of showed up in my kitchen. <laughs> um, so they're always there, but they're they're kind of here to help us and be around us and love us, just like they did in life. Well, do you know, my goodness, Lisa, you've got so much great information in your book. Where can people connect with you and be part of your community? Um, you can find my website at um, www.purplelotus66.com, and that has the information to contact me. And uh, you can put pick up my book um, at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and a few other major bookstores around. Oh, perfect. Well, you know, Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us here today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you, Lisa Ann. It's been such a pleasure to spend this time with you and, of course, to talk about your new book, A Survival Guide for Those Who Have Psychic Abilities and Don't Know What to Do With Them. Lisa's book is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and all indie bookstores. Well, we're at the end of our time today. I would like to thank everyone for tuning in. You've been listening to Moments with Marianne. And remember, make every moment count. In a single moment, your life can change. Moments with Marianne is a transformative hour that covers an endless array of topics with the best of the best. Her guests are leaders in their fields, ranging from inspirational authors, top industry leaders, and business and spiritual entrepreneurs. Each guest is gifted and a true visionary, a recognized leader in her own work. And while teaching others to develop, refocus, and grow, Marianne will bring the best guest and sometimes a special surprise. Don't miss this. You never know just which moment will change your life forever. 
Moments with Mary Ann airs every Thursday, Friday, and Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Make sure to tune in and visit momentswithmarianne.com for more information.